It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do drip or money or fashion. I do arts. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 669 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, February the 26th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have team-focused shows covering all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, all the baseball teams, plus fantasy and a national show over there as well, and 30 of 31 NHL teams still working on the Columbus Blue Jackets. But if you're a fan of any other hockey team, make sure you're tuning in to the corresponding Locked On show covering that team with a local expert who is awesome. Uh, Subscribe to, rate, and review all those shows as well wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated when you do that. And without further ado, let's get into today's show as the Toronto Raptors lost 108-97 to the league-leading 50-8 Milwaukee Bucks last night in Toronto to fall to 42-16. and And joining me is uh, someone who is sitting right next to me up on press row watching this game last night. It is Katie Heindel. Katie, what's up? Without further ado, um, <laughs> I was trying to think of a funny like Bucks dudes joke, but without further... That sounds like... Without further ado, sounds like the sort of uh, rough outline of like a romantic comedy. Yeah, Does yeah. It? Well, this no? wasn't this wasn't that. No, <laughs> it was. This was like one of the least romantic games I could imagine. Mm-hmm. It was very ugly. It was very uh, physical, nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, nitty gritty. Yeah. A lot of guys getting hit around the head and shoulders. Um, <laughs> A lot of guys just getting thrown, pushed way out, thrown back to half court. Can't, no, a lot of guys not being brave. Oh, man. A lot of dudes getting sandwiched between Lopez brothers and other Milwaukee Bucks players. Were they ever on the floor at the same time? They can't be. I don't think it's legal. I think they have done it before in sort of like a joke way and like a novelty. Hey, we're up 55 against the Pistons. Let's throw the low pie out there. But no, I don't think they played together last night. I don't think they do that when things matter. Um, because why would you? That seems too freaky. To That seems like very bad energy to have on your floor. As much as the Lopez are, the Lopez's, the low pie are, uh, you know, kindred spirits. I think their talents are best suited not together on the floor. If that makes I have sense. to say that <clears throat> this morning I 
saw Brooke Lopez posted his stats to his Instagram and he captioned it like, another Bucks win against one of the best teams in the league, all thanks to Brooke Lopez. <laughs> but like he, <laughs> he wrote it? <laughs> but I think that's, that's how, I think that's how they both think like in their internal dialogue in their heads that's how they think of themselves they're not like i gotta do this it's like brooke has to go do this robin yeah gotta get this done they definitely definitely speak in the first person for sure Mm -hmm. i've never been more sure of anything in my life uh brooke lopez is not entirely wrong in that it was all due to him that the milwaukee bucks won this game uh, he was really, really good defensively in this one, as he's wont to be. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. All of a sudden, it's kind of crazy, considering like three years ago, he was just like proto-JV out there uh, and was not much of a defender, but now he's just like this excellent rim protector. And my biggest takeaway from points. the game... Yeah, yeah, well, he had 15 points too. Um, and he hit the two threes, which, you know, he does sometimes. But like the thing that was my big takeaway from the game was that like the Raptors were treating Brooke Lopez like Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert and maybe that's warranted considering the numbers that Brooke Lopez has around the rim this season and he's probably going to be like an all-defensive center which is crazy but they were so spooked and just like very very reticent to go into the paint and when they did it wasn't like quick decision making was happening either right like we saw a few times I think when they went in bravely, as uh, you kept referring to uh, when speaking about Terrence Davis in particular, like they went in, quickly made a read, you know, had a quick, quick, quick kick out. Man, that's hard to say. And then they'd have like a nice little swing and then, it, you know, it would come to someone in the corner and they would have a wide open three, which is how you beat the Bucks. You have to shoot a bazillion threes and hit a lot of them because they are a math problem. And the Raptors shot a lot of threes, but they weren't really creating them, I think, in the same way that you'd like to because it was just very, very hodgepodge at times. Like I think Fred Van Vliet kind of like would roam into the paint, get scared to sort of go through the trees and then kick it back out. And like Pascal a couple times in like transition would, you know, seem to have a full head of steam. And then there's Giannis or Brooke Lopez. And he's like, Nope, I'm just going to take this back out. And you know, a lot of the threes were good. I don't want to say none of them were. I think Nick nurse said after the game that about 40 of the threes they put up, they put up 52, by the way, were shots that he liked and that, you know, were created in a good way. But there were a lot, especially in the second half, that they just seemed to be the byproduct of being scared of, like, actually going to tango with Brooke Lopez at the rim. Um, yeah. Like, what did you sort of see from them as they sort of sized up that very large man and the the very real <laughs> obstacle he, he presents at the rim? Well, it wasn't like what I actually feel happened was that the the Raptors didn't actually do a great job of sizing up the Bucks. Like it's usually like, all right, you take like the first couple couple quarters and and give like give yourselves time to adjust and like see what you're going to need to do. Also, like going into this, like you know they've been watching the Bucks, they know how much more deep this Bucks team is now in the season, even com- like compared to the even beginning of the season, let alone compared to like the playoffs last year. Um, you know that like they're big and physical players. They're like really close defenders. Like they're, they're like parallel to the Raptors in that way. Um, but it just seemed like they were surprised like about the size and the physicality. And I really didn't like, I mean, I know, you know, the flip side is I get it. Like you're not, you don't want to run like full on into Giannis or like any Lopez brother or like 
there was other like you know like Wesley Matthews was like playing pretty physically too. I thought like mm-hmm. like just I know you don't want to run like full tilt into these guys, but nor do you want to just like get close and then back off because what the Bucks were doing was just like pushing pushing the Raptors like way out. And then like they had gotten so good at just like intercepting balls, just like, you know, Raptors passing was kind of weird. Like Serge had a lot of like weird half-hearted or like half thought of, it seemed like honestly passes. Right. And like, you know, the Raptors usually get those looks and like get the, get the shots they need from outside from ball movement. Right. From like swinging it around. And like nurse said that too, after he was like, you know, there was like a few good, um, sequences where like we played like we played like ourselves like that or something you know where we like we swung it around like it what his his like very colloquial way that he like refers to those sequences um but you, we didn't see a lot of it and it, it kind of led to moments where like yeah Terrence Davis was super brave but like I also don't think it should be up to him to be like all right I'm just gonna like run through this you know like mm-hmm. just out of what seemed like frustration this is me projecting but like when he did that it was just like he was like kind of like fuck it I'm just gonna <laughs> like I'm just gonna <laughs> r- drive down the middle and see what happens and it worked and like I know that's not how you're going to beat the Bucks. Like you're not going to beat them closely by just like going into the paint. You need to make those three shots, but you also can't neglect to do that because that's going to give you like, I don't know, that's probably going to give you some easy, at least like help you get to the line a little bit more. I won't say easy because like the calls in the game were wild as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like what we, we talked about it a little bit before, like it's a, it was a good game because it was a good gauge going forward of like the adjustments mm-hmm. that need to be made. And I'm almost more, I was excited about this game, but I'm almost more, I feel like more is on the line with the next match um, because it will prove like what got taken away from this, you know, and what adjustments were made and just kind of like a gut check, I think for a lot of, a lot of players. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I was going to say like, they should get creative, but Lowry tried that uh, and it <laughs> It didn't work so well. <laughs> we will get to Kyle Lowry trying to go under the hill a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> but um, This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, I think you make a good point in that this was very much a game where I think they were feeling some stuff out. And, you know, it's been so long since they played the Bucks, and the Bucks weren't really at this, like, peak honed version that they are now when they first played, like, two weeks into the season. And even Nick Nurse said before the game, he's like, I got some stuff I'm going to try out. Not sure if it's going to work, but we're going to try it. And, like, it's... Look, I think it's very easy, and like the joke going into the game was if the Raptors lose, oh, well, they didn't have Marcus Gasol and Norm Powell, it's fine, doesn't count. But like, 
Norman Powell and Marcus all make a big difference against the Milwaukee Bucks. It's been proven uh, in the playoffs. It's been proven in the entirety of Norman Powell's career that those guys are are meaningful. And I think the reasons why they're meaningful were put on full display last night. Like Serge Ibaka, you mentioned he had many careless passes. He also had many just like careless ball flying off his finger moments out of bounds and just uh, an endless parade of bricks. That his you know, just I like think his Nick reads Nurse were just, just so like, weird. Yeah, yeah, it was really bizarre. And like he he like pump faked himself out of a couple threes after he missed a bunch in the first half. He I thought he was fine defensively, I suppose, but not really as airtight at the back as you'd like. And again, that's something that Marc Gasol offers in spades is airtight backline defense. And the three-point shooting from Gasol is also really important. And the passing and the way that sort of having Gasol allows you to diversify things a little bit. It felt like they were just like so dependent on having someone come and screen for one of the guards or for Pascal and just hoping to create any sort of separation between the defenders. And it just, the bucks are too good and they're too long and they're too rangy. You can't just rely on high pick and roll to work every single time because they play a very conservative style. They drop everybody back. They dare you to shoot threes. And if you're not hitting those threes, then you're kind of screwed. And that was kind of, I think the, the areas that in, in which, you know, first of all, Gasol would have been really useful. And then with Norm, like Norm is sort of one of those fearless drivers, right? And it's kind of the reason why Terrence Davis, I thought, was really effective in this game is like, yeah, like they're very good at defending the rim. But like you can't, as you said, be afraid to go and test it at least a little bit. Maybe you get some foul calls. And like I thought Siakam did a pretty good job of getting to the line in this one. He had seven free throw attempts. That's not bad. And he hit his threes. But everyone else and Siakam included probably could have got to the rim more. It just everyone was very spooked, very visibly spooked, and having a guy like Norm in concert with Terrence Davis, who just played 17 minutes, if you had someone else out there who is very eager to attack a, uh, you know, a, a out-of-position defense and just take it to the rim and see what happens, especially with his improved finishing ability this season, like that would have been such a big asset to have and could have turned some of those possessions that were just sort of directionless and took five, six, seven resets and eventually ended with some sort of chuck and a prayer at the clock, it would have turned those into just like easier, if not buckets, it just like faster offense and, you know, maybe it turns into something. Maybe you get an offensive rebound and maybe you get a free throw. Um, they could have uh, like really used that element from Norm, I thought. So that is why the next matchup is so exciting to me is hopefully, and Nick Nurse was asked before the game, are you ever going to have your team healthy? And he laughed and said, yep, I think so, right at the right time. And hopefully that right time is the next two matchups against the Bucks, which I believe are home and home in early April. And by that time, the Bucks might not really be playing for anything, but it's still uh, still worth monitoring. Um, the the thing about this game too is just that like I was trying to do the whole it's fine thing. You know me, I'm very on brand. I never deviate from the brand, and I ultimately came away feeling pretty good about the game and the way a lot of the guys played and the way the defense worked. I mean, Giannis was only. 5 of 14 in this game. Brooke Lopez was 5 of 13. Like, a lot of the three-point shooters they gave up shots to, I think they missed the requisite amount of shots that you'd want. You know, it was really only Marvin Williams who had a good night from three among the guys that they seemed to want to get the ball to and out of the hands of Middleton and Giannis. And, like, Giannis, I mean, 19, 19, and 8, that's, like, a bad game for him, which is hilarious. But, like, he didn't <laughs> have the same sort of, like, offensive overwhelming sort of presence that he typically has where he feels, you know, insurmountable. The Raptors did a pretty good job of walling him up the way, the way they did in the playoffs last year. I thought OG and Pascal did a pretty good job when they were in solo coverage. There were a couple possessions where Pascal, like, 
really sort of showed his like deceptive strength where he bodied him up and forced him into like weird turnaround jumpers, which was good. And the, like the strategy worked pretty well. It's just the Raptors offense got so scared in the second half that it was a problem. And I guess that is sort of like my question, but I don't know the answer. I don't know what the whole, like what, how to totally feel about it because I think we need to see the matchup more, but this was a game where the Raptors lost by 11 and were in close until crunch time, despite four of the five starters not playing very well. I think Siaka maybe played better than I'm giving him credit for, but like Lowry had one of his worst games of the season. Fred was notably scared and shot three of nine from deep and five of 14 overall, and Ibaka had his worst game maybe since the 2018 playoffs. Like It's been a very long time since Ibaka was that poor, and even with that, even with three and a half or four of the starters not playing well, they were close. I guess the question that I have is how replicable are those sort of shortcomings against the Bucks, right? And like what how much of it is just like an off night for those guys and how much of it is an off night because the Bucks caused them to have off nights? Does that give you any concern as to like <laughs> like it, like any of those guys who had rough nights like do you think it was the Bucks doing or was it just like a one-off random weird thing? I mean, you said it with Pascal, and I think it's kind of funny. Like when I was looking at his stat line after the game last night, because I was like, oh, like Pascal wasn't <laughs> like in my head, like, was he that effective or like he had a quiet night? But like he had a great night. It's just what we saw from him in that game. It's just I think now like the new reality of Pascal is like those sorts of numbers, like putting up 22 points, um, like three assists where he had like like, you know, eight defensive rebounds, like those kinds of like good solid numbers are just the norm for him now. But when we don't really see him like being explosive, especially in a game like last night against the Bucks or just a team like the Bucks, that's when I think you, you miss it more. So I think that's why it's felt like a blind spot a little bit. Um, as far as like Lowry, I mean, I can't, Lowry just tried some things and <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> and I think like, you know, there's something to be said for like, the way that Lowry can try and fire the team up. And if the team isn't really responding to that, it's like we always put it all on him, but it can't be all on him all the time. Um, Fred, like Fred wasn't making, Fred just like wasn't making those kind of like dagger, like far out threes that, that he, you know, he usually does put down. Um, and I think like in terms of feeling out the bucks, like in, in it, because it, it won't be this, the thing with the, like the bucks is that every, match isn't going to be the same. So like what would have worked last night, in my opinion, was like leaving out like some of that bench unit that was like clearly on fire and like giving the little bit of like resuscitation that the team needed. Like Matt mm -hmm. Thomas was obviously on a run, like Terrence Davis, you know, he just like, whether that's like bravado and him feeling himself and just like playing the way he always plays, like that's great because like that's what they needed. And those were the times that you saw like Giannis, Middleton, like you saw those guys get kind of visibly frustrated um, it was like towards, I think like just before they gave up the lead, like to close at the half, um, and a little bit of the, of the third quarter, but like, that's, that's when, you know, you've kind of like got them in their heads a little bit. Otherwise, like I, you didn't see that much cause the bucks sort of were doing that to the Raptors instead, but you know, like in the next game, that's not going to work either. So it's like, you know, nurse, he's usually pretty good at like reading what, what, like what needs to be done on the floor. And he did say he did, he had like, I think that's how he ended his post game, which was really sad. He was like, <laughs> you know, I wanted to put, I wanted to put Davis back in, but it was too late. It was just too late. 
<laughs> like it was extremely dramatic. Um, but I'm glad that he at least acknowledged that because those are the sort of quick reads that I don't know. I like, yeah, I, I get that he wanted to try some things and, you know, we know he's a coach that likes to try some things, but if you tried something and that thing is working, sometimes you got to know when to like rest on that thing a little bit and not just like mm -hmm. jump to the next thing, you know? So it's just like, it's not, I think we forget because you like, everybody talks about what a juggernaut like team, this Bucks team is. And then when they play the way they did last night, just like the crushing, crushingly offensively. And then just like the same kind of stifling D that we know of like the Raptors to play. It seems like they're impenetrable, but they're really not. And like, you have to also think like, this is a team that has come together rather recently. So a team like the Raptors has a leg up on them on that at least. Uh, and it's not mm -hmm. hard. And like the Raptors have rattled them that way before. And I think like they can do it again. Um, it's just like finding those weak spots and like really pushing and pressing. But like when you're not physically pushing and pressing, you can't do that. Yeah, the bench was like such a delightful surprise to your point that like I, I almost understand Nurse yanking them a little bit early in the fourth quarter there just because like much like you say it won't work the next time the matchup happens I think you could be excused if you were to think this isn't going to continue to work in crunch time when everybody else comes back in and it's the Bucks like obviously we need our horses out there whether or not they've been good tonight or not. And so I, I could kind of see where Nurse is coming from there. But at the same time, I, I thought there were a couple times in that game where he absolutely could have gone back to at least Terrence Davis. And we can talk about Boucher and Matt Thomas in a second because they were just a freaking delight. Um, but Davis in particular, the like sort of it's sort of the norm thing with him, right? Like he does offer that extra burst. He does offer that sort of fearlessness and the sort of ability to either drive and finish through contact and around dudes or just fire up threes, which obviously the Raptors were very much coached to do last night. And I thought in particular, you know, the conversation after the game was about whether or not they were going to take out Ibaka and go, go small with Siakam and OG at the 4-5. And I understood that, I guess, a little bit considering the way Ibaka, Ibaka had played. But I also thought, like, he's your best big, he's your best, like, rim protector. You kind of have to have him in there, and hopefully he hits a three. And like like you said, when Nurse was like, it was too late, <laughs> it was very much in, in line with, like, Surge and his, like, hope that he was going to turn it around and find at least one open three and, and make it and sort of stem the tide a little bit and, and sort of change the fortunes. But by the time that, like, prayer had kind of fallen unanswered, then it was too late, as Nurse said. And, and he was also, I think coaching to like not ruin Serge's confidence as well I mean maybe it'd be hard to mm -hmm. considering all like the confidence equity he's built up over the last 20 or so games where he's been incredible but he did nurse did get very uh poetic where he was like sometimes you're coaching for the now sometimes you're coaching for the future <laughs> and I think that was yeah. kind of tied to Serge and like his feeling and role within the team as well and you know, I, I, he seemed like he wanted to throw Davis back in. So I'll give him credit for that. He just, again, it was too late and it was kind of out of reach by the time the decision really came upon him. Um, but with Serge, but yeah, I just like, I will yeah. say like with Serge, if his, if his shots aren't falling, like they weren't last night, then like, I do wish, and it's just, this kind of happens in games sometimes where it seems like he's slow to then step back more into like that like defensive role where he's like, okay, I'm going to just like be get, like be really on top of like, setting screens for my guys or just like getting the, like getting the rebounds off the glass. Like he just, 
he seems sometimes reluctant. It's like he he ha- he can't exist in both roles simultaneously, like on his off nights, I mean, you know? So it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know if he could like, if he knows it's like, all right, well, like I'm shooting terribly. Like, can I just like crank it up in this other way that like, especially last night, like the team really needed. I mean, I don't know. That's just like a hypothetical. And I don't know how like you would coach that because I think it's more just like in his head. Um, but I yeah. wish like, I mean, cause it would have been like, uh, it would have been super beneficial. Like it would have been, it would have given them a little bit of like breathing room at least. Mm-hmm. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. See, my thing, too, I, I like I thought maybe Fred should have been the casualty late in the game for Terrence Davis because Fred was sort of symptomatic of everything that the Raptors were doing wrong, right? Like, he was the guy who was, like, driving in, getting scared, and just, like, driving back through the paint and out the other side like he was driving through a redwood tree. Um, and I thought, like, you need something more direct there. And, you know, it was nice to see at least the acknowledgement from nurse that Davis was someone he thought about putting back in. So I don't know. You can gripe with the rotation decisions if you want. Ultimately, I just think they're like, everyone was a little bit too scared and that's fair. Cause the bucks are scary. Except for <laughs> Terrence no... Davis. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was the only uh, brave one across the board. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we could talk about the bench guys as well, who I think also kind of were uh, brave at certain moments. I mean, Chris Boucher. Certainly. Yeah, Boucher was uh, <laughs> feeling pretty, pretty good. That was, that dunk was like was f- that was incredible. The dunk, the 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 putback was amazing. The block on Giannis was oh yeah, maybe a little bit more amazing. And then the almost putback that everyone thought had gone in but didn't was maybe the most amazing thing of them all. <laughs> like. Yeah, that, that was like, wild because that was like, I'm pretty sure that went all the way in. <laughs> and then it was just yeah. like, wait, what? It, it didn't? Like nobody knew what was going on. It felt like one of those ones that was dunked so hard that it like came to the ground with such force that it just like ricocheted off a foot and no one really even realized what had happened because it happened with such speed. Um, but no, it just missed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Boucher was a delight he was really fun um again i'm not sure how viable it is i mean it was very necessary for him to have the 19 minutes he played last night in the way he played them because that really with the way surge was playing there was real potential for those minutes to absolutely crater the raptors and they made it work in particular they made it work in the fourth quarter with the lowry and hodgepodge bench lineup which kicked ass with davis thomas ronde and boucher but boucher was great matt thomas i mean this is the kind of matchup you get Matt Thomas for, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we need to shoot a bazillion threes and hit a bazillion of those threes. Uh, Matt, buddy, are, are you ready? And it, like, it got to the point, my favorite thing watching Matt Thomas this season has been 
him entering the game and the other team has never seen him before and doesn't know who he is uh, and then within like three minutes the team is selling out all of its defensive principles to stop him and you saw that <laughs> manifest itself last night in the the thing that led to the Boucher dunk where or one of the one of Boucher's dunks he had the putback but he also had a, a dunk in the pick and roll where Thomas had it up high he took the screen from Boucher and both defenders were like no Matt Thomas at the perimeter we gotta stop him and then Matt Thomas was just like all right here's a little bounce pass to Boucher and he dunked and that's really fun to watch he's just like I mean his defense even is like almost passable <laughs> and to the to the point that I think they should maybe roll him out more just because of how absurd his shooting is and your friend and mine but more so your friend Stan Van Gundy said he's one of the best shooters in the world last night mm-hmm. on the broadcast in the world. Um, he's not wrong <laughs> <laughs> he did oh, say I that. know he's not wrong. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh my god, I love that man. He's great. Uh, I want to go back and watch the game today just because the uh, the 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 sounds of Iron Eagle and Stan Van Gundy sound very pleasing to me. Uh, just in theory, I have not listened to them yet, but I, I, I would imagine they kick ass. Um, but yeah, what what was your impression of the Matt Thomas experience last night? Would you have liked more Matt Thomas? I mean, everyone. Yeah, I would have. Thomas, I think but. like I think he should have stayed out. I think he should have stayed out with with Davis, and I think he should have stayed out with Boucher. Like it was working. Or if you don't want to keep all those guys out, just keep flipping Matt Thomas back in when you need a little like pick me up. Honestly, because he doesn't really like. It's the way he shoots and like the way he lines himself up to shoot. It's just like, it doesn't look like he's expending that much energy to do it. And I know that's just like kind of the seamlessness of the way that he plays. Um, but it's just like so easy breezy about it. Um, and again, I will say just like to the, to the character of that game, like that's kind of what you need too. like, you need a little bit of that to like stem the the fear or whatever is like going on on the floor like if you see someone like matt thomas if you look over and he's just like doing his because he kicks he like kicks his legs out Uh when he shoots and he like comes sometimes he'll just like it's like he's going to do something else and then it just the thought just pops in his mind he's like no this would be a great time to do like to to shoot a three and he'll just kind of stop mid stride (laughs) uh, and like catch himself and pull up and and like land it and like it's crazy to watch it's like beautiful and like super cool so i think like he could have been he could have been a a bigger difference maker for sure last Mm -hmm. night um and he's so like he's just like yeah just like doing what i'm here to do it's like you sure are Matt. like (laughs) um Otherwise, yeah, like I, Boucher, I love to like see Boucher like in in what he did last night. Like there had a couple, he had a couple like pretty brutal knockdowns too. But like he yeah. would he would just be on the floor like screaming and like pounding his chest. So I was like, all right, like <laughs> we need that too. So I just think I like that all those guys, and I wouldn't chalk it up to like inexperience, and I wouldn't chalk it up to anything other than just like the mentality that they have together. But like they don't. They don't get, they didn't get phased last night. I won't say they don't ever get phased, but like if you notice, you've got like at least three guys in that kind of frame of mind last night, then I think you got to use them. Yeah. And just like pull the plug, like, like you said, like pull the plug on, like pull the plug on Fred. Like, yeah, you know, Fred can turn it around. But like if it's getting that late, and this is the thing that's like always haunts the Raptors, is like it's, almost it's like five minutes you've got five like say there yeah there was like five minutes left in the fourth and 
it was like maybe we, they were down by like 10 or like eight. Um, so mm. it's like far enough that some people were like calling the game already, but close enough that like, you know, they could come back and you know, if like Fred could come back, like for example, if he made that late three, they probably would have come <laughs> back. But if you're, if you're looking at like that versus like the way he's played the game for the rest of the night, then I think you got to look to these guys that are at least like, if you know, you have an equal 50, 50 chance, like losing winning, like, why not just like let them go out there and like, see what they can, you know, like see what they can stomp up with, right? Yeah. It's also weird too because like they're almost cursed by how much trust like those closing guys engendered from Nurse last season in the playoffs just because of how like resilient and sure of themselves they were and still are. And it even you even saw it. I mean, I I was like saying Fred should not be in this game right now and then he hits a four-point play when they're down eight and it's like, "Oh, okay." Uh, <laughs> guess they're back into it now i guess they were down 11 at that point he cut it to seven and it's like okay how are you gonna cut take the guy out who should probably not be on the floor right now who just hit the four-point play because he's got melons and it's just just like it's sort of a weird damned if you do damned if you don't thing i guess a little bit but i'm with you i think there should have been more of those bench guys i think in particular like matt thomas might actually be usable in this matchup and like I, I might come to eat my words because a bad defender on the floor can often get picked apart in the postseason. But I think with the way the Raptors play defense, and the, in particular the way they approach Giannis, like I think they can stick Matt Thomas on like Wes Matthews, who is just designed to stand out there and shoot threes basically, and just have him close out. And you don't have to have Matt Thomas have too much of a burden defensively. And maybe they'll hunt him in screen acts. But if they're you know screening with Wesley Matthews or having Wesley Matthews with the ball in his hands, then you know, you're probably happy with the result anyway of that play. And because of the three-point shooting that Thomas offers and because the formula to beat the Bucks all season has been hit your season high in threes, basically, he feels like he kind of fits a little bit there. And with his extra ball handling chops, like it kind of makes some sense too. And I think there's there's a, maybe a real spot for him in a, in a playoff series. And I, and I think even, I mean, we talked about Davis. Boucher, again, I think he's probably going to get phased out once Gasol is back, but, you know, that's obviously an enormous upgrade when you have Gasol there. You can slide a Baca to the bench, and you can trust Gasol to be that last line and the extra playmaking and all that stuff. Like, I, I think I'm looking at, like, the Raptors' rotation right now, and we haven't talked about Rondé, who uh, had some admirable moments. He had a couple blocks. He, you know, had his eight rebounds. He, he you know, for weird stretches of the game was like running point because I think they were trying to space the floor as best as possible. And the only option was to just not have Rondé in the corner. And it was like, okay, Rondé, run the pick and roll, I guess. And they got a couple okay things out of it, a couple not so okay things out of it. I'm less sure of how he fits in a series against the Bucks down the line. But between Davis, Davis Thomas, Norm, and Gasol, like that's four guys who I think obviously are in the rotation and two of them in particular from last night will have sort of increased roles potentially i'd like to see potentially like lineups where you have kyle davis and powell out there just to see and i think you can maybe get away with that and have extra juice that you need against the bucks because this is sort of the unspoken thing of it and i think everyone kind of understands it is this matchup is much more difficult without Kawhi leonard <laughs> like i think it was uh joe wolfon who made the point last night that so many of the possessions where it's all right, let's dribble through the paint and then go back out and reset and let's, you know, take it back out after we see someone in front of us who is tall and long. So many of those possessions would just be Kawhi pulling up from 18 feet and canning it and hitting 50% of those shots. And that's just not the case without him. 
I think they have ways to work around it, and their defense, I think, is even more sophisticated and more sort of equipped to to give star players trouble this year than it was last year. But um, you know, it's that's the thing, right? Is this is a very good team? These Milwaukee Bucks are, and anyone who I know the slander parade is really fun, and it, Eric Bledsoe does stink, and that's fun to make fun of, but. <laughs> Like they're they're excellent and they are extremely good defensively, even more so than than they are offensively. I think like the defense is what scares me the most with them, and it takes a lot to pick them apart, and it takes like a Herculean effort to beat them, and it's going to take four Herculean efforts to beat them in a series, and it might not happen. It probably won't happen, really, if we're being realistic. But there's there's some stuff to take from this game. I think that is not all doom and gloom. They could have gotten their asses handed to them. You know, and, you know, they could have had a bunch of guys play well and also lose, which would have been a little bit discouraging. But I think there's room for improvement, definitely, the next time they go out. And Wait a second. You, know, you don't think it can what? happen? You don't think the Raptors can, like, take them in a series? I think, like, if you play the series 100 times, the Bucks probably win it 80% of the time. So I'm not mm. saying it's, it can't happen. And like, there's a formula there. And I think with guys... Like with the three point shooting they have, especially once you get Norm and Gasol and potentially Thomas some more minutes, like, yeah, they, they can have those games for sure. Like, they're probably the team in the East that's most equipped to do it. Uh, I know everyone sort of looked at Philly as the team that was the most equipped to stop the Bucks, but I don't think they're the most equipped to score on the Bucks by any means because their half court offense stinks. Like, the Raptors. They can score on the run. They clearly can defend the Bucks pretty well, and they had a good defensive performance last night. It was like excellent defensive basketball for the first half, at least. And even in the second half, I think they would be happy with a lot of the stuff that the Bucks settled for. They just happened to hit them. I just they're really good, and they don't have Kawhi anymore. The Raptors don't, which make things more makes things more difficult. And if Pascal, you know, can sort of find some more comfort, then maybe that gives them that outlet to have some more sort of improvised offense where he can kind of offer it to them. But I am I'm not sure if he's there yet. He might get there in the next couple of seasons. We'll see. And it might be he he'll he'll get there when Giannis is on his team. <laughs> but I. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel just, like you just talked yourself like into some anxiety. No, I'm like, not even. That's the thing is like <laughs> I can't possibly be anxious about it because like they they already won the title. I'm fine. Um, I just I, I think I, I think it's smart to be realistic. The Bucks are awesome and they're like historically good from all of the numbers and the way they play. And Giannis is a monster. He's going to win the MVP again. I think it's totally like admirable if you lose to them in a conference finals you know what i mean i don't think that is like any sort of indictment on this raptors team which a lot of people didn't think we're gonna get that far anyway so I no know. i disagree what, do you think they have like a okay. better shot than i do <laughs> then you th- i think they have a better shot than you think yes um and i think like yeah i don't know i've always felt that way i think i i, I know that it's a different bucks team than the team that we faced in the finals i mean in the yeah, in the Eastern Conference last year. I know that we don't have Kawhi and Danny, obviously. But I do also think that, like, there's something about the test of those, like, lo- like a long series, especially depending on when they get to them, right? Like, however seating shakes out, like, when they get to them, that the Bucks like, that's just a tiring thing. And, like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying, like, that the Raptors are, are have any more stamina. Like, we've seen them have incredible stamina, and we've also seen them come out playing pretty flat and like very tired. But 
I do think when you just kind of go get down to it, like game by game, and if anyone is more equipped to just like throw out things in a lineup in terms of like versatility, you know, and being able to like make those changes. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think the Sixers are particularly good at that. Like, I actually don't think Miami's particularly good at that. Like they have things that work for them and then they, they sort of stick to them. And I also think the Bucks aren't particularly good at that either. Um, because I don't think that's the way like Boldenhoser coaches, you know? So yeah. there is like, there are, there are advantages. It's just like, you got to tune them up and then you also have to be the team that's like, I mean, it's such like a, a sports like mantra, but you do really have to be the team that's like going in and, and playing at a hundred every night. And like, that's hard. Like, that's the rarer thing. I feel like if you want to like look at odds and numbers, it's just like, you can't, there's so many factors like you can't account for just like not even like injury being the most basic one. Um, but like there's, I think there's ways. And I just like, I don't, Last night didn't, it didn't freak me out as much as like, it seems to have freaked some people out and it hasn't like thrown me off of, of thinking that this could still be like the matchup we see in the Eastern conference finals, but it could also be the matchup that the Raptors come out of as winners. I don't know. That's fair. And look, I I wouldn't say I'm freaked out. I, I kind of thought this going into last night too, that it was the Bucks yeah. are the clear favorites, but like it was a gut check. Think, like they needed it, you yeah. know, like they need, like, yeah, the last, the last month has been amazing. And there was like the win streak, but it was also like a pretty easy schedule. So like, it's yeah. good to get thrown against a team like the Bucks at this point in the season and be like, Oh yeah, we're really good. But like there is, there are still teams better than us in, in a few ways. Totally. I, I do think last night and the way the Raptors defended Giannis did cement to me that I do think they are the team with the best chance of upending them. Just because I think they have more bodies to throw at Giannis than the Celtics do. I think Nick Nurse is obviously very creative and will come up with some other stuff. And I mean, Mike Budenholzer kind of told on himself before the game where I think they were at, he was asked, um, like, what... Are you going to like hold anything back or anything because it's a potential playoff opponent? And he's like, no, we're not really sneaky. We just kind of, you know, do the same thing every game. And that is the Mike Budenholzer story. And if that manifests itself in a playoff series, then like that's a problem for Milwaukee because the Raptors are going to evolve. They are going to throw different things. They are going to junk it up, as it were. And uh, I think... oh yeah, he said they, he, that's what he said, right? He's like, yeah, they're a good team, you know. They junk it up. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> but I love it. I guess I love junking it up. Yeah, I also just believe in. The, I, I I've now been like indoctrinated into the Alex Wong Church of Matt Thomas, and I I I feel like he might swing a playoff game or like a game against the Bucks in a, in a playoff series. He kind of has this like infectious effect as well. Not, I know yes. we already talked about him, but to come back to him. Uh, well, they really all fun. do. Like, all those guys do. And, like, that's something that, like, you can't take for granted either. Like, like yeah. the Bucks, I get it. Like, they're good. Their numbers are good. They're, like, extremely athletic. They're, like, very physically tough. But, like, there's not, like, a lot of charisma. <laughs> Honestly, aside <laughs> from, like, Pat Connaughton on that team. Like, Giannis, like, is yeah. so sweet and, like, wonderful and, like, unstoppable. But, like, you know, the Raptors still have these, like weird outlier ish dudes who can spark things when they need to just by virtue of like, I don't know, like, yeah, sometimes just like straight up charisma. So when you taught, when I met like before, when I was talking about things of that, like win really long series, mm -hmm. that's one of the weird ones that helps, 
you know? Yeah. Matt Thomas reminds me a little bit of me when I oh my God. played intramural. <laughs> okay, just this, here's my, I have a theory. I'm trying to like just hash it out on the podcast. So Matt Thomas is very clearly like just sort of the, the, the odd man out when it comes to like, you know, typical athleticism and size and defensive acumen and all that stuff on the team. But I think like he he really does seem to excite people when he's on one of his heaters because his one skill is so ridiculously elite. Everyone seems to just get juiced up when he's flashing that skill. And it reminds me of when I used to play intramural hockey. I can't skate. I played as like a joke with my friends. And when I would score a goal, which happened like three or four times, it was the only thing I was good at, just standing next to the, the net and just like ha- hacking home rebounds. The The team would get very, very excited because I was out there unable to skate, flopping around, not in any sort of way that's... I don't want to diminish the grace of Matt Thomas here. This is obviously an extreme hyperbolic example. But it was like a troop rallying thing whenever I would score a goal. And I have the same sort of sense with Matt Thomas where when he's going off, the whole team loves the shit out of it. And that like that matters. I think that actually does have like a tangible effect on the way a team plays. Like they seemed so much more energized in that first half when Thomas was out there bombing and you had that sort of like jitterbug, you know, just like running around and running around like a maniac coming off of screens. And when there was that little opening of space, you could even feel like, the arena, like the little gas was like, oh, he might shoot, he might shoot. It, like, mostly the gas was Alex, but, you know, there were also other people gasping too. Like that, I think that, and look, you can't quantify any of that, obviously, but that stuff matters. And the Bucks are kind of robotic and joyless at times, uh, as much as Giannis is a sweetheart and a lovely man. They are just sort of, and like they, it's also a matter of like, the Bucks will have all of the heat on them, right? Like, they have the Giannis decision looming this summer. They were the ones that gave up four in a row in the conference finals last season. The Raptors are well into the realm of playing with house money, and I think they will be kind of at free to play a little bit more liberated and at ease, I think, in a potential conference final series too. So all good and fun things to think about. The Bucks are very good. The Raptors, too, are very good. Katie. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We went much longer than I would have expected, but <laughs> this game seemed like it was worth talking about at length. You know, we like, yeah, we had like, we, we, we saw it. We both slept on it. We had a lot to talk about, I guess, more than we thought, but that's okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong it ruminated. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to plug, Katie? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you can listen to Dishes and Dimes. Another wonderful podcast, women-led podcast. If you haven't listened to that yet, you can subscribe to Basketball Feelings. Um, you can look out for my last feature uh, as the Raptors feature writer of the month. Because as we all know, you know, bittersweet in some ways, blessedly in others, because it means the winter is drawing to a close. February is almost over, so I'm almost done there. Yeah, and you'll be passing the baton the to-, to me, the torch. You want you yeah? Would you, do you picture it as like a torch or as a baton? I think it's a baton. It's just like a, a relay race. Of it's a media room hot dog. Freelance posting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I'm taking over as the Raptors.com writer of the month for February. Or sorry, March, February, blah. 
March, which will be very <laughs> exciting. Um, and so, yeah, look for my stuff there. I also have a piece coming out on Radford's HQ on Thursday about Terrence Davis. So keep an eye out there. He was uh, Terrence Davis is a treat to talk to. He's a sweetheart, man. He's you, you a took, you took beautiful, a very, very long time to yeah person. Yes, took a very long time to get ready after the game, <laughs> but it was worth it. He's great. So look for that on Raptors HQ on Thursday. Um, obviously, subscribe to rate and review this podcast. I'm at Woodley Sean. Katie is at Whatevs, and uh, that's gonna do it. We will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.